1 Corinthians 7, verses 1 through 8. Uh, it's available on the screen right here behind me. And it says this. Now, for the matters, this is Paul, the Apostle Paul, speaking to a church in Corinth. He says this. Now, for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise, I guess, the wife to her husband. <laughs> the wife does not have the authority over her own body but yields it to her husband in the same way the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. I want to I make so many jokes right there. <laughs> Man, this, this, y'all watching like the Holy Spirit say, move on. <laughs> Do not deprive each other. I got to tell some of y'all after service, okay? <laughs> Verse 5, Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. Verse 7. And verse 7 is kind of really the, the, the verse uh, that we're gonna, that's going to drive our conversation today. Because we'll come back to this same set of scriptures next week, you know, when we talk about it, as I, I told us last Sunday. So, you know, we got kids that can go into becoming kids next week. Please um, let that happen uh, so we can talk about it. But verse 7, I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. So Paul uh, was single, and this is what he's talking about here. And then verse 8, now to the unmarried and the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do. Let's pray. Father, we're grateful. We're thankful for this moment. Thank you for this time and space that we get to share together. Uh, Lord, we're not here by accident, but we're here on purpose. And so, Lord, over these next few moments, will you open up our eyes, allow us to see what it is that you're showing us. Open up our ears, allow us to hear what it is that you're speaking to us. We're not here for a TED Talk, God. We're here for uh, inspired revelation from your word. And so, Lord, I pray everything I say that is not you, let it fall to the ground. But, Lord, what is you? God, let it uh, penetrate our hearts so that we can hear it and not just have it as knowledge, but live it and walk it out. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Come on, come on. Everybody said amen. 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 You may be seated. So family, Katie and I, we, this spring, uh, we will celebrate uh, 10 years of marriage, 10 years of marriage in May. Yes. And it's, it's been it's been absolutely amazing. It's been incredible. It's been the best 10 years of my life, far better than anything I could uh, imagine. Everything that has been great and been blessed uh, has come over these last 10 years. I think about the privilege of being able to do this. I think about uh, our three children, uh, our knuckleheads at, at times, a lot of the times. But man, just three amazing gifts that the Lord has blessed us. And I'm so thankful for these uh, past 10 years, and I'm looking forward uh, to the next 70 years. I'm looking forward to being 85 and saying whatever I want and seeing great-grandchildren run around. Like, I'm looking forward 
to that. And as we approach year 10, it's kind of got me reflecting a little bit and just kind of thinking about the journey and thinking about the time before marriage when I was single and, and, and I was trying to mingle. It just wasn't working, but just thinking about that time and thinking about what people said who were married and how marriage would be and, and all the comments and all the advice and all the things that they said. And then taking that and contrasting it to actually being married and coming into year 10 now. And here's what I discovered, that they lied. <laughs> there are some things that they said that just was not the case. They, they lied to me. Because, see, they, they told me that my issues were in once I got married. Katie's on the front row. She can tell you that. It ain't ended. <laughs> they told me that, well, marriage will complete you. That's the piece that you need right there. And Katie would say, listen, I don't complete him and he don't complete me either. <laughs> right? they, told, they told me that we would always have these amazing days and we get lost staring into each other's eyes and we would never argue and have disagreements and it would all work out just fine. And again, she has the loudest amen in the room today to tell you that's just not the case. So it's got me going. They lied about being single, which is the headline, it's the title of the message that I'm coming from today. They lied about being single. Matter of fact, tell your neighbor that. They lied about being single. They lied about being single. <laughs> so to give a little context to the text and ultimately to this chapter, Paul, who wrote this letter to the church in Corinth, listen, you know people say 2024 is just a different world. It's crazy in 2024. Can I tell you? No. What was happening in this city in Corinth was crazy. Paul is addressing so much. There are so many issues uh, across the spectrum here amongst these Christians in this church. And so this is just one of the things. Go back, read 1 and 2 Corinthians. Go back and read it. And you will see this church had a lot of issues. And Paul here specifically, he's talking about marriage. He's talking about dating. He's talking about uh, sexual issues. For, for instance, one of them, there's a, a son-in-law. Am I saying this right? The dude was sleeping with his stepmother. It's a crazy situation. So when we're like, oh, man, 2024 is crazy. That's why you read the word. It was some people being crazy. That's why we're in this collection called Together to understand how to navigate this stuff. So Paul is bringing all type of correction, all type of teaching. He's clarifying some things. And, and one of those areas is marriage. There are some people who say, yo, I, I, I need to uh, stop. We need to stop doing what married people do in order to be closer to God. They're asking the question, well, should we end the marriage in order to be closer to God? There are people who are single and wondering, well, should I even get married because marriage is not going to allow me to be close to God? So all types of misconceptions that Paul is clearing up here today. And what I want to do this morning is for us to do the same thing, to clear up some misconceptions about being single for those in the room who are single, 
but also for those in the room who are married but could uh, play a part in some of these misconceptions. And so we're going to expose some things. We're going to expose some lies that we believe about being single. And here's the first one that I want to expose is that my life has not started. That I'm made to believe that because I'm single, that my life has not started. There's this belief in some of the some circles of the American church that your life has not started. Your life does not start until you're married. There's this idea that your life is on hold. You're in a holding pattern until you get married. Now, listen to me. If you're single, hear me. Do not allow married people to make it seem like your life has not started until you're married. Because this is where, you know, you move your feet back. Because here's the truth. For some people who are married, they actually, their life ended the moment they said, I do. I told you, you got to move your feet back. <laughs> and so then what happens is they take the context of their marriage and their situation because they stop trying, they stop caring, they stop pursuing and dating their spouse. And so now they take the context of their marriage and then they tell you, oh, well, you ain't seen nothing yet. Well, this is what they do now. Wait till you say I do. Oh, see, you hadn't seen you haven't seen them get ready. You don't know what it, what it looks like before they get ready. You see that? Then you're gonna have you're gonna start to wonder and question some things. So it's so so you hear all this talk. Well, your life hasn't started yet. You you experience the real once you get married. No, it's just because for some, their life ended when they said I do. But hear me, your life does not begin when you say I do. Your marital status does not purpose your life. God does. Look at Jeremiah 1.5. It says this, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, God, he's speaking to Jeremiah here. But we get a chance to peer into this conversation. And it's the same principle that is true for you if you're single. He's saying, listen, before I formed you, I knew who you were. Before you were born, I set you apart. I've appointed you. In other words, changing your marital status does not give you a purpose. If you have a pulse, you have a purpose. You are called. You are anointed of God. If you're single, these are great places to clap because it's true. You are called of God, and your marital status does not depend on that. God has called you. He has purposed your life, and that calling and that purpose is not dependent on whether or not you're married. Now, this is easy for the fellas to understand and live out this truth because guys don't face the same pressure. It's a little bit, of di little bit different. It's not so quick to say, okay, well, you need to settle down. But for the ladies in the room, the pressure that you feel is different. I, I didn't ask you if I could share this, but can I share this? I think I can. Okay. Oh. <laughs> Let's see. I was, you were 
27 when you got married? I was way younger. You were way younger? Whatever. <laughs> She's like, people are going to try to do the math while you giving out numbers. But it was all this pressure. I remember us talking and all these, these people that really weren't friends, but just, you know, whatever. And it was like, okay, so, I mean, when are you going to get married? I'm like, why, why is that a pressure? Why is that a conversation? So, ladies, you're under different pressure than fellas. But hear me. This idea to the ladies that you're not called until you're married is ridiculous. This idea that you can't fulfill purpose until, until you find Mr. Right is not of God. Because hear me, ladies, you are called. That some of you, you are the preachers in the room. You're the CEOs in the room. You're the entrepreneurs in the room. You're the decision makers in the room. You are the called of God in the room. And it doesn't matter who's on your arm or not. Because God has called you. He has purposed your life. Are you tracking with me this morning, ladies? Now back to all of us. Hear this. God didn't make you half of a person, but he made you a whole person. So this idea that your life has not started until you're married is ridiculous. He made you a whole person. You know, while we're on the conversation of this, here's, here's what I kind of find out, find it interesting uh, between those of us in the room who are married and those of us who are single. I find it interesting that single people and married people are always on the opposite side of things. Have you noticed that? Here's what I mean. Single people can't wait to sleep with someone. And married people just want more space when they sleep. Will you give me the cover? Come on. Single people love the fact that they can just decide where they want to go to eat. I dread the conversation of what do you want to eat? I'm just saying. Jesus, can somebody decide that for us? <laughs> I told you she'd be the loudest over there. Single people don't mind babysitting the kids. While married people are like, listen, I need somebody to come get these kids for me. Always on the opposite side of things. And here's why this is the case. It's, it's because we tend to think, that life would be better if our current context was different. So that, hmm, that, that, that looks good like that. Ooh, I, I think, I mean, that's a, that's a good situation. But listen to me, family. Life is good in your current context when you work it. Because no matter what that context is, it requires work. It's like this whole, you know, work is like a trigger word. Like, listen, don't say work. But work is of God. Work is in Scripture before sin. So God never intended for us to be here absent of work, to rule, to have dominion. What is that? That's work. That's effort. And that applies to every part of our lives, including relationships. So if it's friendships, guess what? You got to work. You got to work at it. If it's dating, guess what? You have to work at it. If it's marriage, Guess what? You have to work at it. Katie and I were talking about, about this this morning is that the divorce rate amongst 
non-Christians and Christians, is identical, basically. And that's just the ones who, who divorce, not the ones who are just living as roommates. So why is that? And I said, I think one of the parts of that is because we don't realize that it's actually work. And we take the exit really quickly. Now, listen, I understand there are grounds and there are different things and moments where that is an option that, that is explored for a lot of grave reasons. So, so hear and understand that when I say this. But that's not everyone who takes that step. Sometimes it's just, well, we had an argument, so I don't want to do this no more. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's work at this. So life is good in your current context when you work it. Because here's the problem. The danger to always thinking life is better in a different context is that you will lower your standards just for the point of changing your status. So now I'm going to bring things down because I got to change the status. I got to change my context. I need to switch things up. So the standards that I used to have, I no longer have no more because I need my context to look different. And so we change our status thinking we'll find fulfillment that we want only to find out there's no fulfillment in that context either. Why? Because the same thing that is required in that context was the same thing that was required in the other, and it is work. So now we've done it, and we, we, we didn't got older, and it got back here on this scene, knees hurting, can't wear the shoes like you used to, <laughs> use the stuff to kind of keep the buttons together and all other kind of things, and looking for the icy hot when you get home. And it's like, your context that you were in was it. It was the work that you needed to do. And so now we're disappointed. And now we're like, why is it not working? And, and now it's, we, we can't celebrate others and, and we're disappointed, which then leads us to become bitter. And when we become bitter, bitterness will lead to blindness. So now we can't see what the Lord is actually trying to do in our lives. Now we can't see what is the right opportunity. Now we can't see what door that God has actually opened up because we've become bitter because we thought that the context didn't require work. So we changed our status only to realize that it still required work and we're bitter, which has led to blindness. And now we missed the moment of God says, this is what I was trying to usher you into. And this is not just a conversation about getting married or who to date. This is a conversation about life that in whatever context God has you in, he's like, listen, yes, I've placed you here and it's tough, but it requires work. But don't become bitter because bitter will turn to blindness. So the first lie we expose is this, that my life has not started. Here's the next one, that Christ is not enough. Christ is not Enough. You say, are you, wait a minute, I don't, I don't hear that. Hear me out. So our words say Christ is enough, but our actions say otherwise. Our words say, listen, Christ is what you need, while our actions, especially those of us are married, are forcing people to make decisions that are detrimental. And so because of the pressure that married people often place on single people, those who are single will change the lens in which they will view a potential spouse in. Here's what I mean. No longer do they look through the lens of pattern, but they look through the lens of potential. Ooh, girl, he got so much potential. 
bro, I think I think she might be the one. She a little rough, you know. I saw her talking to old dude too, but you know, I think she might be the one. And so we didn't change our lens, and we only pay attention to potential, and we dismiss pattern. But listen, the danger of valuing potential over pattern is that we would tether our lives to someone who would be dangerous to us. This goes back to the whole lowering your standards thing. And so now we'll dismiss those patterns because of potential. And then what happens, we tether our lives to that potential only to realize it was something they never could fulfill. And now literally being involved with that person has become dangerous for your life. It's become dangerous for your life physically. It's become dangerous for your life spiritually. It's become dangerous for your life relationally because we were never intended to tether ourselves to that person. But when we feel this pressure, we will ignore the patterns and choose potential. And when we value potential over pattern, here's a mistake we'll make. We'll make the mistake thinking that marriage will change them. Well, they act like that now, but it'll be different. <laughs> Married people laughing. <laughs> it's like that today. But listen, when we say I do, it's going to be different. Yeah, I know, I know. She, she's never at home, but it's going to be different when we get married. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. You know, he, he raises his voice every now and then, but, you know, it's going to be different when, when, we, when we get married. But can I tell you this, family? Marriage won't change the issue. It will only magnify it. It's only going to get bigger. Can I tell you, if they were bad with money before marriage, they're going to be worse with money in marriage. If there were commitment issues before marriage, the commitment issues are going to get worse in marriage. If there was a lack of work ethic prior to marriage, then guess what? In marriage, that work ethic is going to get worse. If they have some anger issues prior to marriage, those anger issues are only going to magnify in marriage. And so we have to be careful saying, well, it's just a small deal because what's a small deal today will become a big problem tomorrow. You can't dismiss it. You can't ignore it. Now, I hear some pushback of saying, well, well, what are you saying, Pastor Michael? Because the name of this church is the Becoming Church, and there's this idea of, of becoming and, and progressing and, 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 and just, just stepping into what God has called us to and who he's called us to become. Yes, I agree. Becoming is ingrained in the, the fabric of this church so listen, we believe in the value and we see the importance of becoming, but the authenticity of becoming is revealed in patterns. What direction are you walking to? Because we all take a pattern, right? If you're trying to lose weight, what's the pattern of your diet? Is it always saying, listen, I'm going to stop over here and, and it's a salad though. Come on now. That salad, be the, you know, or is it? You know, I'm just choosing to put green stuff on my plate, right? It's a pattern. So it's not just about pattern, but is it the authenticity of of becoming, of growing, of progressing is revealed in patterns. And hear me, the right patterns will lead to fulfilled potential. So, yeah, it's cool. You are becoming. We all are becoming. But it has to be revealed in the right patterns that ultimately will lead to fulfilled potential. And this is why... Patterns are important because I believe this, their patterns will reveal if they have the capacity to fulfill the potential. 
So when you're looking and you see the pattern, you're like, they don't have the potential to fulfill it. And if they don't have the potential to fulfill it, they don't have the potential to steward your life and your heart well. And so you have to leave them. You can't trust your heart in the fragility that it is with someone who has the wrong patterns. Can I tell you, if the patterns are not right, they're not changing. Do I give up on them? Yes. <laughs> it's not your battle to fight. Philippians 1 6 says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in them will bring it to completion. Who is he? It's the Lord. So he is sticking with them. He has not given up on them. You need to move on. Because, because it's, it's your heart. It's your soul. We just finished soul care last, last month, and this plays a part in that. It's your soul. It's your mental state. Because people will date someone at 20 and at 60 have not been able to move past because they tethered their lives to someone with the wrong patterns. And so we got to say, my life has value. And not be afraid to step away. But this is my chance. But this is my shot. It's Valentine's Day. December begins cuffing season. I want to cuff. Like, but not at the expense of your soul. There's too much value there. There's too much worth there. So, listen. Christ is enough. But we're going to watch those patterns. And then maybe you get it together. Maybe, just maybe. I don't know. I need to see you go through some seasons before I can come back again. Let me see you get mad. Let me see you get disappointed. That's why you got to ask a whole bunch of questions. All right. Here's the next lie. I got to hurry. Here's the next lie that we're going to expose. This lie, I think they kind of play into it. But on the other way is that you don't need to change. You don't need to change. See, some of us, we have this mindset. Listen, I ain't changing nothing. If they want me, then they got to accept me. What's going on, on over here? I'm trying to communicate the word, and then I got the front row over here. <laughs> In agreement with two or three. There he is. Come on. But we have this mindset that I'm not changing. Accept me as I am. And can I tell you, could that be the reason why your status has not changed? Again, slide your feet out the way if you have to. Because you say, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not changing. This, this is me. Well, listen, this is not a conversation about becoming someone who is, is not authentically you. That's not what that changing is about. But it's saying this, that the goal is to be a person progressing, not a person staying stagnant. So, yeah, change is a part of this. Progression is a part of this. So we're coming up on 10 years of marriage, but guess, guess what? I'm learning Katie every day, every year, because who she was when I met her, she's not that person today. Same for me. And so this idea that we don't need to change or we don't need to learn, it's a lie. It's a myth. And I just said it a moment ago, but Philippians 1.6, that God is working something in us, that he's producing something in us, that that's, there's a work that he started, which points to this idea of changing. 
And so some of us, we get so caught up, well, I'm not going to change. I'm just going to find someone who's going to accept me as I am. Well, listen, stop trying to find someone and instead become someone. So it's not about who I'm finding, who I'm looking for. No, it's about who am I becoming. Because listen, this whole idea that I'm not going to change, could it be that the reason that all of the, the relationships end is because you're in all of them? And I know that sounds harsh. I don't mean it to be. But there's this thing of truth that we got to look within that if all our relationships end for the same reason. Obviously, I'm not talking about people who are a predator in their behavior and they see something that they can exploit. Obviously, I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about this idea of refusing to change, of being prideful and being stuck in our ways. And then the relationship ends and then we get to the next one and it ends for the same reason. We have to say, okay, I got to get to this point that I look within and I ask the Holy Spirit because maybe it's because of trauma or whatever reason. So I need to ask the Holy Spirit to heal the areas of my life where I've been wounded. So because I've been wounded, that's why I picked up this trait. Okay, that's true. And I, and, and I hate that that happened, but we still have the responsibility to say, okay, Lord, heal these broken areas of my heart. And let me go sit down somewhere until that moment comes. So now when I stepped out, I'm not just a person trying to find someone, but I'm a person. I've become someone. Because, listen, and, and let me say this, the desire for healing is not because we want to become better for them, but rather we want to become better for us. This has nothing to do with them, but it has everything to do with us. Am I becoming the person that God has called me to become? Because when we become better then you'll be the person you need to be when it comes to dating if that's where you find yourself. Because the idea is to become a whole person because two broken people will not make a whole relationship. So saying, no, I am becoming a whole person. And it's not for the sake of like, okay, now I'm, I'm ready, but it's for the sake of I want to become better for me. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? Micah. Matthew, somebody come help me land this plane. Come help me land this plane. Marriage will not conceal the issues. It will only reveal the issues. And let me say this, too, because um, sometimes when, when church talks about uh, singleness and all that, it's always the implication that somebody is single wants to be married. And so that's not always the case. I mean, even as Paul talks about here in Scripture, he's like, yo, I'm not. Some of you should as well. But, and that's a gift that some people have. It's not a gift that everyone has, but it's a gift that some people have. So one thing that we also have to do is stop treating singleness like a sickness. They're not sick. They're single. And because they're single, it doesn't mean that they're living a half of a life. So here's the last lie that we're going to expose this morning. Is that the right one is out there. You're going to find the right one. I know God's got it. He's got it, baby. He's got it. It's going, he's out there. She's out there. I promise you. But that picture is painted that the right one is simply out there. That you're just going to be minding your business one day, and all of a sudden you're going to bump, uh-oh, excuse me. And your eyes are going to lock, and you're going to be like, you know what? You the one, girl. Like, no, that's. That's not 
how it's going to work. You're not just going to find the right one. Because can I tell you, the goal is not to find the right one, but it's to find someone. Meaning this, the right one becomes the right one because you worked at it. So soulmates, it's cute, sound good, it's just not, it's just not true. It requires work. It requires a lot of, you know, it's really this picture of Christ in the church. Because marriage is a lot of denying yourself. It's a lot of saying no to you. You have to let go of pride. You got to let go of selfishness. You got to let go of just being the, the sole person to make a decision. And it's really this picture of a relationship that we have with the Lord that we say, God, I surrender my life to you, and, and Jesus, he's the one returning to his church that is, is the bride. So it's really this picture, but, it's, but even in our salvation, what is it? We have to work out our salvation. We don't wake up every day just feeling like, you know, good and all this, and yes, Lord, I want to serve you, I want to do all. No, it's, it's work. And it's the same picture and truth and reality. So it's not just, oh, you're going to find the right one. No, the right one becomes the right one because we decided to work at it. I think about Katie and I, we come from completely different contexts. Our stories are different in the type of, of home that we grew up in. I grew up in a home with both of my parents. Katie's home was different than that. I grew up and had different expectations. I think I, I can even share this. You could tell me, no, I messed up later and I'll tell y'all next week. I'm sorry. I remember even when we got married, Katie was like, so do you talk to your parents that often? And I was like, well, why would I not? But what I wasn't understanding was because of the context and how she grew up. It was like, well, I hadn't talked to my dad in years. And the Lord has now redeemed the relationship to be a vibrant one with my mother. And so there was, I didn't understand that. But then I didn't understand that. And so what did we do? talk about it. It taught me how to now to communicate. It taught her how to be receptive. That me talking to my parents was not saying that I didn't want to talk to her. And so it was this thing that we came together to have understanding. And that had to happen and continues to happen in so many ways. Because when you say, yes, the two become one. And so now it's, okay, it's 2024, so it's different. That's why sex is reserved for marriage. Because when you do it, well, that's old school. Well, I don't determine what's old school. I just go to the scripture, and, and that's just kind of how we, we rock with it, okay? And so when you connect for in an action that's intended for marriage, you're getting that person and everything else, but then you leave them and then it's the next person. And then you leave them and then it's the, it's the next person. So there's a lot now that has happened because of this connection. And so going back to marriage, like there's a lot that has come together of two people with two different frames of references of life, which means we got to work it out. But then when people don't want to work it out is when we say, you know what, we need to file the paperwork. But it's not just finding the right one, but it's choosing to work it. And when you choose to work it, that person becomes the right one. Are you tracking with me? 
So the goal of today has really been for us to expose lies that we're made to believe about being single. That you don't live a half of a life. It's not this idea that your life has not started yet. It's not this idea that once you say, I do, that your life will then become better. That if you're single in the room, you are walking in purpose. You are walking and calling. God has called you, and you don't need, hear me, you don't need your marital status to change. And let me say this. I feel like I need to say this too. You said, well, listen, you talked about uh, sex before marriage. Well, that was my story. Listen, God redeems, okay? So you need to understand that. I don't want you walking out of here feeling like, yo, that's me. I feel singled out today. Don't do that. Don't feel that way. Because the gospel is not a gospel of shame, but it's a gospel of redemption. That's what the whole thing is about. So don't, don't walk out here uh, feeling that today. But it's to bring the truth, but then how the truth of our decisions, but how God's grace supersedes our own fallacy. Are you tracking with me this morning? But you're not living. Here's the win. That God didn't make you a half of a person, but God made you a whole person. And here's the point that I think all of us, whether you're married or single, that we need to live out is Matthew 6, 33. That says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. First is not order. First is positional. So position, he's the center. So I'm making him the center of my life, regardless if I'm single or married or not. And everything from him being the center flows from there. Let's pray.